Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Thanks again, Marie, and welcome back, everyone, in the podcast universe to the 78th episode of the Living Your Dash podcast. Now, Rick, you've been helping us to navigate the lands of this brave new world of the biblical good life. So at this point in the series, what are you hoping that people will be feeling or thinking about most? I hope, Sean, they're feeling the contrast. And hmm. the good news is people are, they're really seeing there is a, a radical contrast between the two definitions of the good life. There is the secular culture's definition of here's the good life, and there is God's definition of the good life. People are learning in our study of First Peter that these two views and definitions don't mix. They're oil and water. Hmm. They are diametric, diametrically opposed to each other, and a person has to make a choice. And if you don't make a choice and you try to stand in the middle of the road, you're going to get into trouble. Hmm. It's not going to come out well for you. Right, right. I, I think about the Lord's own teaching of, of how we are children of light and not children of darkness. And so, yeah, yeah, it should be coming clearer to us. Well, so, you, you look at the contrast in Scripture, light and dark, yeah, life and death. Uh, you don't see these mixing, and it reminded me of the old Chinese, and maybe I should say Korean in your it, honor. Yes, thank yeah, you. It, yeah, it's a Korean <laughs> proverb, he who stands in the middle of the road gets hit by traffic coming both ways. <laughs> So the Christian who tries to compromise, he's going to be the most miserable person because the truth of God's word is going to be hitting him and making him uncomfortable. But then the culture is banging away and he knows that 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 way is going to be destructive. And the the most miserable people I know in life are the people standing in the middle of the road trying to live in the world and in the kingdom of God and it's a very, very painful straddling of the fence. Yeah. You, I think that, that this reminds me of um, something that uh, Stephen Covey said, that there are, that everything has two creations. There's the first creation happens in your mind, but then the other creation happens when you actually do it. Um, and uh, so if, 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 for instance, I have in mind a, a model boat, well, I have to think in my mind, well, what is that boat going to look like? And then I have to carve the wood or use the plastic or make the paper, whatever it is, but then, then I can manipulate. But unless I have the shape in my head first, I can't proceed. And I, I kind of wonder if, if uh, as disciples, we forget that Jesus means for us to live intentionally. If we're going to think about the good life, we really have to think ahead and, and live intentionally. Um, yeah, so many of Peter's commands in his first letter are all about intentional living, mm. intentional decisions, choices we have to make. All the way through these five chapters, Peter is saying, here's the good life according to the culture. Here's the good life according to God. Decide which way are you going to go. And, yeah. he, and it's all about that intentional decision-making process that we've got to make the decision in our mind, just what you said, but then put it into practice. You yeah. have to live it out. Right. 
So when you say that, um, you said this phrase in, in the message, uh, and by the way, you can find this message uh, by going to rosalgrace.com and, and just click on the watch section, um, and you'll find uh, um, the Good Life uh, page there. But you said that the person who would conduct the orchestra must turn his back to the crowd. So I understand what you're saying, but that sounds like uh, a lonely or, or contrarian prospect in a world where, you know, you have to admit it, that we're, we're just so afraid of our social media shadow. Um, how, do we, how do we get around the fear of offending others? Or on the, on the other side of the coin, um, some of us, we've, it seems like we have to be aggressive and uh, uh, just kind of uh, uh, defriend everybody who doesn't agree with us. Yeah, I love that that proverb about the the person who would conduct the orchestra must turn his back to the crowd. If you've ever been to a symphony orchestra, how many conductors are on the platform? One, uh-huh. one. Yeah, and it can be a very lonely place up there and a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. But he has got to be willing to turn his back to the crowd if he is going to lead that orchestra. Um, again. W- we just need to follow Christ's example. And Peter keeps driving home this point. Jesus is our ultimate example. Think about it. Jesus came living the good life in a bad world. Guess what happened? Here, the perfect person, the guy never made a mistake. He, he never sinned. And yet his good life created friction. Yeah. It created conflict. There is just something we all need to be aware of is the more you live the good life, the more friction you will cause. Yeah. I, 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 he, he would have been a terrible politician. Um, oh, yeah, he obviously <laughs> did not read uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> he never took a poll and, and said, hey, you know, I threw this idea. What, how do people think about that? He never yeah. said that. And that's what I, I love about this, this truth that Peter's driving home is... You've got to be willing to live the good life. And it's going to take intentional decisions. It's going to take enormous courage because there will be times when you catch flack. Yeah. And you get, you you catch opposition and ridicule. And hey, what are, who are you? Some kind of holy Joe. What's wrong with you? You will not be invited to certain parties. Yeah. And you will be excluded from certain social functions and groups. Yeah. And Peter is saying, absolutely right. Yeah. And that's why it takes courage. Yeah. What about the other side of the coin where I've seen an attitude of, of where people think, well, I'm just going to be very aggressive then. I'm not just going to be assertive. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to um, show a, a kind of a, a militant Christianity. Is, is that where we should be going then? Yeah. I've met those people too. <laughs> They're really not assertive. They're obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> And some people, it's the idea that the more obnoxious I can be with my Christian faith, the more Jesus will love and honor me. Yeah. And, and they're just <laughs> abrasive and insulting. Yeah. And yeah, Jesus never called us to be jerks. Yeah. Well, again, may I call you back to Jesus' example? Yeah. When, when he was living the good life, and Sean, Jesus lived the good life perfectly. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it created friction, but notice also there was an attractive side. The crowds loved him. Yeah. So there was something about the way Jesus lived the good life that, that didn't put people off who were looking for answers. Now, 
he obviously repelled the self-righteous Pharisee and the self-righteous Sadducee. You know, they, they didn't like Jesus at all, but the folks loved him. Yeah. What was it about Jesus that the folks loved? It was he was living the good life, and he did it in a very attractive and appealing way where people said, wow, I've never heard anybody teach like this, but, but I want more. Yeah. I like what I hear. He makes sense. The way he is living and the way he is teaching, uh, th- that's what I want in my life. Yeah, there's that, that little phrase about um, if I care too much about what people think of me rather than whether or not they respect me, I'm, I'm going to be in trouble. Uh, so, yeah, I, there, there does. The, the conductor can't be looking back and saying, did you like that? Did you like that part? How about, how about this one? Oh, you didn't like that. Let me try another way. I've never seen a conductor do that. No, and you never will <laughs> because his back is to the crowd. Yeah. His job is not to get cues from the crowd. His job is to give cues to the orchestra. Yeah. That's what makes beautiful music. Yeah. That's excellent. Okay, so let's move on. There are, there, you said that there are three things, going back to that conductor uh, metaphor, three things that we have to turn our backs to. Um, and you said it's fear, sin, and selfishness. So let's start with uh, the first one, turning our backs on fear. Um, I appreciate you pointing out that, that uh, Peter was a realist, and he told them that hardship, even really nasty stuff, would come their way. And, and yet, he had the audacity to say to them, now, if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm thinking as, as uh, a 21st century Christian, I'm thinking as a first century Christian, that doesn't sound like a blessing. Why, why does God allow us to become bomb magnets? Again, I appreciate uh, Peter's honesty here. Uh, he is a realist. And he is saying, God is calling you to live the good life in a bad world. Mm. So the reality of doing that is you are going to create friction. And I love what what he said in the middle of chapter 3. He just said, do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in Mm. your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. That's what it comes down to, Sean, is who's going to be Lord? Is the uh, uh, the crowd, people in the crowd going to be my Lord? Are they going to be calling the shots? Or is Jesus going to be the Lord and the controller of my life? Again, people, I'm afraid Christians, have unrealistic expectations of living the good life in a fallen world. We have to remember this is earth, not heaven. So our our expectations of a perfect world need to be forward-looking, to, uh, to heaven, to the new creation. Yeah. As long as we are here living the good life, there's going to be a lot of people out there who are not going to applaud and appreciate our living the good life. For one, it, it turns a light on their evil. It exposes the evil in our culture. Yeah. So when we speak up for truth and honesty and decency, well, if they're not living that way, they're going to go, wait a minute. I don't like you telling me how to live. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to they're going to misinterpret our intention of living the good life. But in reality, it, it does exposes the evil in the world. Yeah. I, when when I, I say that kind of, you know, that question about being a bomb magnet, I say it kind of tongue in cheek. But I, I think that that's um, a, a mysterious and powerful and really it's an honorable uh, place that, that the church 
takes in the world and that when the when the world says why can't you be like us and we say back to them why do you think that's the right way um, what makes you think that's the right way and, and we're, we're not saying we're right we're saying that Christ himself has revealed uh, himself and he is the way the truth and the life mm -hmm. and it's clear it's not working for you why do you think it's gonna keep going that way we were there we were once in the darkness we were once blind, and uh, we, we now we see. Now we're found. And that's why several times Peter uses the phrase, don't be surprised. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, it's like oil and water, and we're surprised that they don't mix. Uh -huh. And Peter says, wait a minute. Listen, there, there's two radically different definitions of the good life. They don't mix. Don't, don't expect them to mix. And don't be surprised when the oil and the water are in conflict with each other. Don't, right. be, don't be shocked. Matter of fact, you need to expect conflict. Don't go looking for it. Don't create it. Yeah. You don't have to. There'll be enough coming your way <laughs> simply by saying, I'm going to follow the example of Christ, and I'm going to live the good life in a fallen world. Right. And so, okay, so going in that area, um, that's the second area you said that we have to turn our backs to, and that's sin. Um uh, Peter said that, that we can arm ourselves with the same attitude that Christ had. Um, what is he saying, and how does that happen from a, a practical point of view? How do we arm ourselves so that we're done with sin? I believe the most powerful statement in all of 1 Peter is in chapter 4, verse 1, where he says, whoever suffers in his body is done with sin. Mm. I believe Peter had come to a point in his life where he had seen the deceptiveness of sin, the destructiveness of sin, the, the deadliness of sin. He had seen how sin ravaged people's lives, ruined marriages, ruined cultures. And he had come to the point where he said, you know, I'm done with sin. Mm. I've had it. I've had it with sin. That doesn't mean that Peter is going to live a sinless life. Right. But it meant, Sean, that he had, he had drawn a line in the sand and crossed over and he said, you know, I'm never going to go back to the way I used to live. My priorities are totally different. My perspective is totally different now. I am no longer going to live in a sinful attitude. Mm. I, I've, I'm done with it. I've had it. I'm not going to be fooled anymore. And I think the challenge for us, and Peter is saying, folks, wise up. Wise up to sin. What has sin ever done for you? Has it, has it <laughs> yeah. ever made you a better husband mm. or a wife, father, mm. mother, a better boss? Has it made you a better person? No. Well, wise up. The, again, when you, you come back to Christ, every time Peter brings us back to Christ, when Jesus Christ came to earth, before he got here, he made a decision to turn his back to sin. Yeah. When Satan tempted him in the wilderness, he said, no, I'm not going to be fooled by that garbage. Mm -hmm. That's destructive. So Jesus turned his back on sin. Why? Because he saw sin for what it was, deceptive, destructive, deadly. Peter's saying, I've made the same decision. I'm done with sin. I want you, followers of Christ, be done with sin. Yeah. Well, we talked earlier, and, and you, you, you kind of gave some at least as we were discussing this, some warnings about uh, three three ways that we, we really have to be careful. 
Um, and could you tell us what those are? Yeah, no, you know, we sometimes we'll say, you know, I got, I got things to do, places to go, people to see. Yeah. Think about those three phrases. <laughs> it, if you're a believer and you're, you've made a decision to intentionally say, I'm done with my old sinful life, mm-hmm. then first, there are things you cannot do anymore. Yeah. You have to make a decision. Those things I used to do, I cannot do those because they pull me in the wrong direction. Yeah. Second, places we go. There are places that you do not need to go anymore. Mm-hmm. They, they may be physical locations. Uh-huh. Uh, they may be internet sites. Mm-hmm. They may be web pages. You know, in the past I would go there, but I've got to say, I, I'm not going to go there anymore. Yeah. People we see. Oh my goodness, there are going to be bad influences in your life that you're going to have to say goodbye to. You're going to have to say, I cannot hang out with that person or that group because every time I do, it pulls me back into sin. So we have to make decisions about the things we do, the places we go, and the people we see. Right. You know, we were, I was also thinking earlier about how um, the pandemic is, is kind of reframed or restructured things, but in, in a way it hasn't because I was thinking, you know, I wonder if as people are coming out of the pandemic, uh, will they be, will they understand that, that, uh, that the, those three little concepts and, and uh, will they be coming back to church more? And, and I understand there's some pe- folks that because of their immune system or because of people around them, they have to be very careful. But I kind of wonder, you know, if they're, they're, they're traveling out of state or going shopping more, going out to eat more, or um, the state is opening up. They say it's going to be open up 100% by July. Um, I, I wonder if church attendance is going to be back up. Won't uh, that be interesting? Yeah. <laughs> Won't that be interesting to see if, if we have dropped the good habits in our life through this pandemic yeah. and are we willing to say, okay, I need to get the, the good habits back. Yeah. My goodness, we learned some bad habits, you know, binge watching oh, yeah. things that we shouldn't see. So much time we've wasted. You know, how many people have said, man, I've, I've loved this pandemic. It's given me time to spend in the word of God. Man, I've read uh, great books of or have you just filled your life with junk? Yeah. There's the question. Right, right. Excellent. Well, you finally you said that we need to turn our backs on selfishness. So here, here's where I see a lot of, if you will, uh, cost, right, in, in terms of emotional capital, like being clear-minded and self-controlled, loving others deeply, uh, or offering hospitality without grumbling or serving others. You know, Rick, that's that's fine for people I like, uh, but what about people I don't know or like? I mean, does God expect me to do that, like, every weekend? Yeah, yeah. not only every weekend, but in between. What yeah. <laughs> yeah. is interesting in this section where there is a radical focus shift away from meet my needs, what makes me happy, what's going to bring joy, what which is the definition of the good life according to the culture. Yeah. You know, get all you can, can all you get, set on the can, it's all about me. Mm-hmm. Peter makes a total shift and says, no, no, if you're going to live the good life according to God's definition, the shift focus away will shift away from you onto 
meeting the needs of other people, of mm-hmm. serving the needs of other people. So again, again, I sound like a broken record today. The example of Jesus. Do you realize that when Jesus came to earth, he did not die for a single perfect person, Sean. Not a single one. <laughs> Every single person he died for was a miserable lost sinner. Yeah. In fact, the Bible says we were enemies, mm-hmm. enemies of Christ. So back to your question, um, what about those people I don't like? What about the people that don't like me? Uh-huh. Am I sp- yeah, those are the people you serve. Why? Because Jesus did, and you're going to follow his example and have the same attitude. Yeah. Wow. So um, I'm going to switch switch gears now because uh, just yesterday you sent out a blog to the staff uh, from uh, Glenn Shepard. And by the way, I'm going to put that link in there, so uh, you need to check this out. Um, and you, you it, it basically uh, discussed the power of one or the power of being uh, a conduit of happiness. Can you share that story uh, for us? Yeah, it's a great story. I want to encourage everybody to, to click on and listen to Glenn's story. But basically, he, he was in the middle of a, a computer upgrade and was seeking information, trying to decide, you know, what do I need to buy? What do I need to do to upgrade? And he ran into a couple of unhelpful people on mm-hmm. the phone. Mm-hmm. And that company almost lost his business because of their 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 poor methods. Yeah. But thankfully, he ended up with a person who was a great employee. In fact, he, he said, hey, and I'm hoping you can help me. And she used this term. She said, I am your conduit of happiness. <laughs> and not only did Glenn have his needs, his computer needs met, but uh, that company kept his business. Yeah. It's a great story. Yeah. Conduit of happiness. You know, I love that phrase uh, because I thought of all the people in the world, the church is meant to be a conduit of happiness for the world. What, what are your thoughts about that? Again, let me be a broken record. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus' example. He was the ultimate conduit of happiness. Think about his three-year ministry. Yeah. Think about all the happiness he brought to sick people who were healed, mm-hmm. to demon-possessed people who were delivered and given their life back. Think about all the people who were just lost and lonely and hurting and had no direction and purpose in life. And he came along and helped them understand that God loves you. God has a plan for your life and he has a purpose for you. And again, what a challenge. Peter is saying, that's what Jesus was, a conduit of happiness you be the same. Yeah. It's like the old the old hymn we sang when we were growing up, be a channel of blessing. Yeah. Lord, it was a prayer in the song, make me a channel of blessing. blessing. Wow. Conduit of happiness. Yeah. I love that. As the I think about what the Lord Jesus told us and he said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And how else is the world supposed to know what joy is until they look at people who claim, they, they say that their testimony is they have met the risen Christ and he has filled them with joy. The joy that it was in him is now in us and, uh, and nothing can take away this joy. Uh, so who else is going to be the conduit of happiness? Hollywood? 
Or you will not find people in the secular culture being conduits of happiness. No, it's just not there. Yeah, um, they're all about conduits of selfishness. Yeah, of what's in it for me? How can I get ahead, even if I have to step on you to get ahead? Right. A radical, radical, different way of living that Peter's encouraging here: of give up selfishness and learn to serve other people. Yeah, I think that that's the. The remarkable thing that the world and and even some Christians they 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 confuse they they think that we're all about controlling behavior, but in in reality it is Christ in us who is changing our behavior. Uh, but I mean it, it's not without effort. Uh, uh, but it is it is it is about us saying Jesus, I want everything that you have for me. And let me be that conduit of blessing. Yeah, well said. Amen. Hey, what else is happening here at Grace? Well, hey, this Friday night, the finale of The Chosen, we're showing that. And so Friday yeah. night, you'll see the final two episodes of uh, season one hey, of that. And we're also giving a couple of a uh, couple more t-shirts away. Ooh, so, boy, yeah. those are really cool uh, Chosen yeah. t-shirts. So uh-huh. 6.30 Friday night. Speaking of finale, Sunday morning will be the finale of Living the Good Life series. Sean, we're going to talk about leadership. Mm. We're going to talk about the vacuum of leadership in our country right now and Mm. what uh, God's Word has to say about the kind of leadership we need to be uh, seeking in our nation as well as in our churches. We'll also be recognizing mothers on their special Mother's Day. We'll be recognizing moms. And then a week from Sunday, very excited about our new sermon series, Kingdom Secrets. Uh, May 16th, we begin. We're going to spend several months at the feet of Jesus, just listening to to pure Jesus, Mm. just pure Jesus tell his stories. And then we're going to see what are the implications of those parables for the way I live my life. That's fantastic. All right. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.